Okay, um, I want to, I said we're going to start talking about fish. The, the fish that I'm going to talk about today is uh, a fish that made a major, major controversy between Hungary and Rabbanim. But even more than that, it's a fish that, that almost made controversy as to what the truth is. The, what the truth is exactly had like multiple meanings, depending on who you ask. And, and I'll explain what I mean by that. The, the Simanim fish have, have uh, fins and scales, that we know from the Torah, right? Fish have fins and scales. Now fish, there's many different kinds of scales that fish could have. There are like uh, translucent scales, there are scales that are layered on top of each other, there are round ones, there are you know, diamond shaped scales, and they all, like according to science, they all function very differently. But according to halacha, all the various types of scales are kind of irrelevant as long as they're scales. There's many different types of fins on a fish, right? There's uh, pectoral fins, there's, uh, what's the fin on its back called? Uh, that's the fin that all the big fish have. There's tail fin, dorsal fins, tail fins, exactly. But for the most part, according to most Rishayim Akhapanim, all these various different kinds of fins are, are irrelevant in halacha, provided that it has fins, it's considered a kosher fish. Now, each one of these things has some sheetas that make it important. Lamashal, there's a riaz that says that the, the scales on the back, of the, the fins on the back of fish, like, so by a like predatory fish, like a shark, for example, they have a very tall back of the tail fin, and the bottom of the tail fin is much shorter. It's like not even, the, the thing. So the, the riaz says that any fish that has an uneven tail fin is a tray for fish. Kosher fish have even tail fins, he says, for example. Or there's, there's many other, like, you know, little, you know, day he does one sheet and a rishon here, sheet and a rishon there that say different like uh, simonim for a fish. But overall, the basic simonim for a fish we know are fins and scales. So now, l'chayre, there shouldn't be much makim for for grace machleksim. I mean, of all things that are kosher, fish is the most basic. The Torah says in the pasuk, "Asasheyeshleisnapirvekaskasas." You could eat if it has fins and scales. You're allowed to eat it, which is very simple. We know you don't have to have a maseir for fish. The Shulchan Aruch and Simeon Gimel says fish don't need shechita. Fish should be a very, very simple food to eat. It shouldn't be very complicated. Basically, anybody could, could ascertain what a kosher fish is. So, so how did this get so complicated? So as follows. In Hungary, in the Danube River, and, and it's not just there. They're primarily in Russia. They're a little bit in Turkey. There are a ton of sturgeon. Now, sturgeon is where, is where caviar comes from. It's a very, very valuable fish. A high-quality sturgeon that can produce real caviar is a very, very valuable fish. But that's for rich people. There's a small sturgeon, a family, you know, a cousin of sturgeon called the sturlet. It's a small fish that's similar to sturgeon called the sturlet. And the sturlet fish is like a sturgeon, but not exactly like a sturgeon. And the sturlet fish was widely available in the river, in the Danube, for people to have. And, uh, and, and that became a shailim. I'll tell you why. The, what do you say? It produces caviar also. Yeah, it's a caviar-producing fish too, so it makes it somewhat valuable, but it's not as expensive as a, as a full-grown sturgeon. Now, the, the, the problem is as follows. In parts of Hungary, the, there, was, there was two kahilas in parts of Hungary. In parts of Hungary, Hungary before, I think, uh, 1750, was controlled by the Turks, by the Ottoman Empire. So Mamela, a lot of Svartim migrated down into certain parts of Hungary, and live there, like in the Banet region, in the Tokay region, even in the capital of Budapest. There was a lot of Svardim who lived there. Then, over time, the Austro-Hungarian Empire came into power, and in the mid-1700s, they took it over, and the border closed between the Ottoman Empire, between the Turkish, the Svardim, and between Ashkenazi. What was left behind was communities that were like a mix of some Svardim and some Ashkenazim. 
let's say in Tamashav, where this Shaila first arose, in Tamashav, where the Shaila first arose, it was like a, you see from all the letters that people are writing, there was a, like a community board that was comprised of some members of the, of the Svarta community, some members of the Ashkenazi community, and together they set community policy, which was unique. Mostly in communities you didn't have, they had either a Svarta kilo or Ashkenazi kilo, and if there was like a small, you know, uh, kilo that, that was there with it, they didn't have much of a say over here, they both had a say together. Now, in Turkey, the minig was to eat the sterlet fish. The sterlet fish in Turkey was considered a kosher fish. And Svardim, who were of Turkish origin, would eat the sterlet without a problem. The, the Shemesh Tzaka, who's a Svardi Paisik, a Svardi Chuba from the early 1700s, who was against eating the sterlet fish, writes that the minig is that they eat this fish. So in the Svardi Kila, the minig was to eat the sterlet fish without a problem. Now, Ashkenazi kila, the minig always was, let's say in the rest of you know, Ashkenazic Jewry in Poland or, or elsewhere, they did not eat the sterlet fish. Sterlet fish was not something you would eat. So you had kihilis like Tamashava, where in the fish market, there were Svardi fish and Ashkenazi fish, meaning it was, it was different fish that would be bought for different people there. And this led to some confusion and some problems, till the, the kihila of Tamashav was petitioning their rav to please be makel for us, to let us eat sterlet. Uh, you know, my, my neighbors, uh, I don't know, you pick a name, next door, they have sterlet on Shabbos and it looks very delicious and I want to have sterlet on Shabbos too and, and how come only Svartim could have, I want to have too. So they petitioned their Rav and the first Rav on record that we know who was asked about it was the Rav of Tamashov, his name is Yechanan. I don't know his last name, last names weren't so important. Yechanan of Tamashov was asked to Shaila, could Ashkenazim eat sterlet fish as well? And Yechanan of Tamashov says that no, there's a... Uh, he says, there's no makam to be pirates together, you can't eat sterlet, it's treif, can't have it, can't have it. Okay, he dies, a new rav takes over, and his name is, is uh, the new rav's name was, um, oh, Tzvi Segel. Tzvi Segel was the new rav, a Talmud, a Litvish person, you know, Ashkenazi, not a Litvish, Ashkenazi person, and uh, they come to him and they say, okay, hey, new rav, maybe you could be makal for us that we could eat sterlet, we want to have sterlet. And he uh, says, this is a grace of Shaila, it's a little bit above my pay grade, I don't think I can answer this, but I'll write to my Rebbe, the Neide Behuda, and I'll see what he says. And here's where the, where the firestorm starts. The Neide Behuda, in Yerudei Tinyana Tshuva Chavches, it's not a very long tshuva, Neide Behuda says as follows. He says, higiani kipurim. I got your package, Moitzi Yom Kippur, the, the letter that the letter Neide Behuda sent back is dated Yud Gimel Tishrei, so he got it, you know, Yud Aleph, Yud Beis, he sends it back Yud Gimel Tishrei, and he said, Im hadag. The package, the shayl, the shayla came together with a fish, with a sample fish. There wasn't as many standards for mail. They, they, the, stand, the package came, there was a sterlet fish in it, with the letter asking, what would be the din with this fish? Then Yudha says, so I... I uh, he says, and the shayla was, Vina shashol, your shayla was, Im lismoich ala edos, hamayidim ha'ichlon Could you be made on the edot, the, the groups, meaning the svaradim who say that, where we come from back home in Turkey, or Greece, wherever we come from, we eat this fish. Could you be saying on those, those you know, groups telling you that you eat it? So it says the night of Yehuda, Lagavi being saimich, nemanus, no, that, that's not going to work over here. He's not going to go into that. But he says, Amnam, Anina Sisi, he says, I did a test on this fish. I tested it to see if it's a kosher fish. He says, I was able to see that it has two thin strips of kaskasim. Now, sturgeon are, for the most part, a flat fish. If you look at a picture later, you'll see sturgeon have very smooth skin, flat skin. But he says, I isolated that there are two little strips of kaskasim that run along the sturgeon fish. He says, There's one strip of them on the right, one strip of them on the left. He says, now here, he addresses what the issue is. He says, and what with it if they don't come off by hand? Now right here is where the issue starts. 
the sturgeon scales, even though they have a certain amount of scales on the right and the left, they don't come off by hand. If you take, you know, just a hand and try to brush it off, it won't come off. You take, let's say, uh, I don't know, a salmon, for example, it's very easy to get the scales off. With like a little bit of brushing, with, uh, you know, uh, take a credit card and brush it against the skin, you're going to get the scales off. So he says, that they don't come off. They do come off with a utensil. If I take a scale peeler, I could get them to come off. He says, He says, I soaked them in a chemical, in like a chemical bath. I put it in a chemical bath first. For three hours. And then he says, Then they were able to come off by hand. But meaning, the Buddha loosened up the, the skin by putting on some sort of, some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of solution, some sort of solvent. The, uh, the, the gugan of the day. And he put it for a three-hour bath in Gugan, and then, yeah, the scales came right off. So he says, when I do that, that's fine. He says, now, Uladaiti says, okay, I just want to, pa- let's, let's pause right here and give the halachic context, the halachic background for what's going on over here. So the, the shayla is really as follows. The Gemara in Chulin, the mission in Chulin tells us, fish or nechel, be, 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 um, as long as they have snap uh, it's like the Torah says as long as they have fins and scales that's what the Gemara Chulun says the Mishnah Chulun now the Gemara the Samach Vavim Beis brings as follows Tanan Hasam the Gemara says Kol Yeshloi Kaskeses Yeshloi Snapir anything that has Kaskeses any fish that has scales automatically you could be Batuach it has, a, it has fins and this would mean that if you find a piece of fish you know with the skin attached to it you have no idea what type of fish it's from and it has scales on the outside and there are scales that are you know Real scales, and even if you have no idea what type of fish it is and you don't see the fins, good to go, you can eat that fish. So the Gemara says, the Gemara goes back and forth, and the Gemara says, that's such a simple fact that anything that has cascasas, anything that has scales, automatically has snapier, it has a fin. So what's the point in the Torah saying snapier and cascasas? Why is the Torah saying two samanim? So says the Gemara, Yagdal Torah No answer. Like Yagdal Torah yeah, just be marba, there's more samanim, there's more to talk about. And the Rishayim asked that normally Yagdal Torah means there's some favarfan and afkamina, there's some like. You know, crazy enough. You know, over here we can't even think of a really enough Camino, but the Gemara says Yagdal Terviyade. Now, additionally, and this one is a little less relevant, the Gemara Navi Zara brings, first of all, the Gemara Navi Zara and the Flamites brings with her Bakiva, that Rabakiva was once presented with a fish that did not have any readily available scales. He didn't see any scales. Rabakiva took it outside to the sunlight, he held it up, and he saw in the glint of the sun you could see some sort of scales, and he said, kosher. The Gemara brings similar criteria where the Gemara basically isolates and says that scales are like a bare minimum. If it has any type of thin layer of scales, it's good enough. If it has maybe one, two, or even three scales, good enough. The Gemara has machlekes, if there's a specific location on the body, nah, it's good enough. The Gemara is very makel about all the simonim of, of kaskeses kemat on the, on, on the fish. Now the Gemara in Chulin on the Mem brings one more criteria of of kosher fish, and this, you know, came, became involved in the shayla, so I'll just say it. The Gemara brings one more, more criteria. The Gemara says that a kosher fish has a roish vishedra, a head and a spine, like a visible head and a spine, as opposed to a not, a not kosher fish doesn't have a head and a spine. Now, what exactly that means from a scientific standpoint is, is not so super clear, but the Gemara itself jumps up and asks the, the, the obvious question. The Gemara says, what do you mean? The Mishnah and Chulun says, it says fins and scales. doesn't say a word. But spines and heads doesn't say any of these things. So the Gemara gives two terutsim. The Gemara says either yeah you need either this is only a kula litzvul b'tzirun. This kula that the Gemara Navi is saying is only if you found a bucket of fish yach. You know, kachinu. What's it called? Fish kachinu maybe. And you're not sure what type of fish it comes from. And 
attached to it is the head and the spine of a fish, you could be saying that this fish yach comes from a kosher fish and you could dip in it. But to eat the fish itself, that you can't do based on just the simonim of a head and a spine. The other tarots, the Gemara says, is no, there are exceptions. Head and a spine is not conclusive. There are not kosher fish that also display these simonim, and the only way to really, really isolate what's a kosher fish is with snapper and kaskeses. Now there's a grace of machlekes rishenim, and I don't want to get lost in the weeds of it, but there's a big machlekes rishenim if one could be saimich lemaisa on just the head and the spine to eat, to eat you know, a fish that you find. But b'chalaifin, by the time it makes it to Shulchan Aruch, it's very simple. The Shulchan Aruch in Simon, in Simon um, Pei Gimel, Shulchan Aruch says as follows. Simane dagim mefurashim batayra. Simane dagim, straight up, it's mefurashim batayra. Kol shiyesh le snapir v'kaskeses, anything that has a snapir v'kaskeses, mutter. Says the Shulchan Aruch, v'snapir hu sheshat bai, it means a fin that's used for swimming, a fin that's used for swimming. V'kaskeses, scales, hena klipas hakvuyis bai. That means the scales that are kavua on the skin of the fish. Now, Here's where the, this is the, the monkey wrench. Here's a one line in the Ramah. Ramah says as follows. Haga, v'davka, sheim neklafim bayad. Davka, if the kaskeses is able to be peeled by hand. Oibikli, or with a keli. Avalimiyafshu lekalfami arhadag. If you're not able to rip it off the arhadag, it doesn't separate. Leimikri kaskeses. That's not called a kaskeses. Now, so where does this come from? So, the Gemara doesn't say this. The Gemara in Chulin, the Gemara in Avedizara, None of the Gemaras say this special criteria that the kaskesas has to be something that you can peel by hand or, or with a keli. So where does it come from? It comes from a Ramban That's the Makar. The Beis Yosef brings it down from there and that's where the Ramah draws it from. There's a Ramban al-Atayra. Ramban al-Atayra says, the Pasuk says, Ezet ta'yichlu mikal asher b'mayim, kal asher e'en le'snapi v'kaskesas, b'yamayim b'yamim b'nechalim, o'yisim ta'yichlu. Kal asher e'en le'snapi v'kaskesas, that you can eat, shek etzulacham. That's the Pasuk. Says the Ramban, the Ramban says, Leitavin milishaynam, from the Chazal used the pasuk of Assyrian kaskasim. Chazal used different psukim to describe how the kaskasis is attached to the body of the fish. Says the Ramban, Leitavin milishaynam. Don't understand from Chazal shein kfuyim begufan mamish v'dvukim ba arhadag that they're mamish mamish connected and, and bound to the skin of the arhadag. Avul kruyim kfuyim sheinam nadim mimenu v'leim mizazim by kisnapir. They're called kavua only in contrast to the fins. Fins are something that move around. They're, they're constantly, they're bendable, they're moving around. So scales, he says, are called kavuim only in contrast to snapir. Snails are, scales are kavua. They don't move around. They're not a movable part. It's like a keratin type of material that's on the outside of the fish. Says, remember, there's something that comes off easily with a hand or a knife. Says the Ramban, anything that's so kavua that it's not able to be separated from the skin with a hand or a keli, ene kaskeses. Ubalov and its bearer, the fish that carries it, the fish that wears it, asru, is a fish that's asr. Ulechein amru bigamara, the kaskeses levushu. He says that's why the Gemara refers to kaskeses as a levush, a clothing. Clothing is meant to come on and off. Clothing is not part of your skin. It comes on, it comes off. Says, so says the Ramban that based on his understanding of the Gemara, his diak in the Gemara, he invents a new rule. That kaskasas has to be something that's able to come on and off easily. Something that's mamish bound to the skin of the fish is not called kaskasas. That's what the Ramban says. Now the, the, the Beis Yosef brings this down and from there the Ramah draws it and the Ramah paskins like it in Shulchan Aruch, like we saw that anything that's not niklafim easily biyad ubikli is asr. So now let's circle back to the sterlet. So the sterlet fish is a fish that has scales. Like we see the Nidu the writes about his field test 
It has skills. The store that has a certain amount of skills on both sides of it. But the problem is the skills don't come off easily. They're very hard to get them off. The scales don't come off. Now, sturgeon itself, like the, the, the fish that no one, that's not kosher, sturgeon, the reason why the scales don't come off is because there's a layer of skin on the outside on top of the scales. Meaning the scales are not the first layer of skin. There's like a translucent <laughs> layer of skin on top of the fish. Then there's the scales underneath it. And then there's the, flesh of the, the, the skin with the flesh of the fish underneath it. So in order to get the scales off, you have to actually puncture the skin and rip it off. So that, the alma, no good. Now, let's grab the grace of Machlick's Rishayim, better Barbuta fish that sounds similar, and there's major tumults in the Rishayim and Achrayim, exactly how to understand it. But the sterlet is different. The sterlet does not have that translucent layer of skin running on top of it. The sterlet is just very tightly connected. It's like the, the, the scales are super tightly connected to the fish. So, so comes the Neid Buda, and the Buda says as follows. He says, Ve'ein Leimar, don't tell me, It's the Gugan that got the scales to come off. He says, Demapakach, at the end of the day, it's, it's you know, covering of kaskasim was a lavush because the fish is whole and the kaskasim are in the bucket. So it, it doesn't matter how I loosened it up, what I used to loosen it up. At the end of the day, it's a lavush. It's something that comes off. He says, The whole chumra that the Ramban introduced in Parshashmini, he says, that if it doesn't come off, this is says, If not that an Adam Gadol, the Ramban said it, I would, uh, you know, I don't know that I would agree with this Chumrah that the Ramban is saying. He says, doesn't say anywhere in the Gemara, not in Avedizar, not in Chul, not in Yushalmi, not nowhere, that there's this Tnai, that if it doesn't come off, you can't, you can't eat it. Either Abba, but Mishnah Amru, Kaskasim Akpuyim Bay. says, the Ramban is, is making up his own, his own Chumrah, if it was up to me, I'd be chaylik, he says. But Lamaisa, Amnam, Midivir Abiseinu Bali Atalmud Hayli Lahavi. Okay, he says, Lamaisa, it's a Rishin. He says, Avama Esavir Abbeinu Agadullah Ramban Amra. What can I do? It's, it's Rabbeinu Agadullah Ramban said this, so it's a Chumrah that needs to be adhered to. The Rav Magid brings it down, the Bais Yosef brings it down, and the Ramah Paskins like it. So, Tzrichanan Ulachov, Azneinu Vilishmayed Divrayim Be'ema. What can I do? I have to bend my ear and just listen, Be'ema. I can't, I can't be chaylik. Avalachopanam, he says, Koshinik Klafin, as long as Lamaisa could come off. Even if you have to use luge to get it off, you have to use some sort of you know, method to loosen up to get it off. Whatever is necessary to get it off. It's called kaskasim, it's kosher. This is a pretty uh, hard sack from the Nebuda, pretty, pretty solid. He's not hedging. Now, the Nebuda, this is like a pet peeve of the Nebuda. The Nebuda despises chumris that come not from, from shas. Anything that has like a different source than a view that has very hard time dealing with, with, and he shows that in this tshuva, although he maintains that one still has to shtaltu to this Ramban, and he has a workaround. He says the Ramban that says that it has to be able to come off Yad Bekeli means Bukhalif and Shia, whatever you use to loosen it up, that's good enough. Now, there are those, Talmidim the Nebu, the Argadl and, and the Nebu, the son and the Chuv Me'ava, they bring an interesting raya that the, the Ramban himself, Lechayra, had to hold like this. Because the Ramban, when he talks about a different fish, which I don't know what this fish is called today, uh, the Ramban calls it a sturion, I don't know, maybe it's a variant of a sturgeon, it's hard to know what the Ramban is referring to. The Ramban says, the Ramban writes about himself, that I was baidikit, v'sharai sebamayim, I was baidikit, I soaked it in water, in hot water, v'nishtayr menu kaskasim, and I found in the bottom of the bucket some, some scales came loose. And then the Ramban says, "Vagam Rabbeinu Tam Matir." And Rabbi, I heard the Rabbeinu Tam is Matir about this fish also. And Rabbeinu Tam is talking Taisvis in Avodah Zarah and Daf Mem talks about a fish like this in his mouth. So you see, the Ramban himself writes 
that by a, a difficult fish where the skin, the scales were not easy to get off, the Ramban says, I soaked it in water for several hours and then I found scales came off. So say the Tamidim the Nedibiyuda, Mali Gugan, Mali hot water. Hot water was, was another form of a solvent, of a loosening agent to get the scales, to loosen their binding from the, from the flesh of the fish. What the Nedibiyuda did, what the Ramban himself did. So clearly the Ramban meant that there is this carve out, there's this workaround that if you're able to loosen it up, that, that, that you could get it out. Now this is the night of Yehuda, and B'Shaitoi, interestingly, the tshuva is dated, I think in 18, in 17, I'm going to go 17, maybe 17, maybe 1782, I think I remember, 1782 is the tshuva is dated. At the time, it, it made no controversy. The, the tshuva landed, it just plop, no controversy, nothing happened. In Tamashova, the city that he was writing to his Talmud, it seems that they started eating the, 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 the sterlet fish, you know, everyone was eating sterlet, it wasn't a problem. Nothing happened. Almost 20 years later, 16 years later, there's a young Rav, who we, we've talked about in the past, a star, uh, uh, someone we've talked about in the past, Rev. Aaron Kharner. Aaron Kharner, who later on went on to become a well-known, you know, bad guy, who some safer went, went after, you know, in, in the most extreme of ways, and who his own Rebbeim, Rav Moshe Mintz, and, and Rav Yirmi of Matastarf, and his own Rebbeim, you know, we're very done with him and others wanted him to shave his beard and shave his head and be put in cherim, etc. We talked about that other time. So later on, it was Nizgala Kleine Lerabim, meaning everybody understood who Aaron Kharn was. But at this point, Aaron Kharn was in his, I think, 20s or 30s. He became a Rav at 22 years old in the city of Arad. And uh, I'm sorry, Arad? Yeah, in Arad, in the city of Arad, which is again, uh, Hungary. Today it's in Romania, I think, but it's in that same vicinity of Hungary. And in 16 years after this tshuva came out, in, in 1788, he, Aaron Kharner, puts out a contrast, a sefer called Imri Noyam, where he wants to be matter eating the tickfish. Now, tickfish is another kind of fish that the Naidwida did not talk about, that he held was a similar tzushtel to what the Naidwida spoke about. It was similar to the situation of the Naidwida. And he said, just like the Naidwida was makled by the sterlet, we could extend that hatter to the tickfish. And he held this hatter very stark as a young, young man, and he went to the fish market in Arad, where tick had never been a fish that was bought by Jewish people, and he bought, uh, give me all your stock of tickfish, he brought it home, he prepared it, and he made a kiddush, come on, come all, eat some tickfish with me, and like this you know that, it, that it's serious, and we're being made about the tickfish. Now, when a local Rav, uh, someone older than him, by the name of Rabbi Yitzchak Grishaber, who was a Rav in the town of Paksh, Pax, Paksh, it's another Hungarian town. Today it's actually a little famous because it's, it has, Pax has the only nuclear reactor for energy in the city, in the, in the country of Hungary. Hungary at some point was a Soviet satellite, so they built like nuclear power stations. The only power station that stayed in Hungarian hands was Pax. So Pax is a known city in Hungary, but the rub of Pax, when it was a very small, unknown city in Hungary, was Ritzla Grishaber, who was a Talmud in Leidbuda, who was very, very bothered by Aaron Kharner's adapting of the Neidu Yudas Hatter and extending the Neidu Yudas Hatter. And he put out a, a contravening sefer called Makal Noyam with 64 simanim to totally, totally destroy Aaron Kharanis Psak in Imre Noyam. Now, it was like a, a terribly dirty, dirty fight. Uh, basically what happened is as follows. We have the letters all leading up to it where Rabbi Yitzhak Grishaber becomes aware of the Psak of Aaron Kharanis and he writes him a letter as follows. He says, listen, I know you think you have a Psak from the Neidu Yudas it can't be so, it's not so. We have a Maseri not to eat these fish, it can't be so. And, and this is where it gets tricky. 
he goes out on a limb and he says, and not only that, is it not so, that I, the Behuda wrote to me that he's Chayzer. He wrote to me that he's Chayzer from this Psaq. And this is the, the, the white lie, I guess, that, that you know, got him caught up. And, and you'll see how this happens. He, he writes, to me, the Nei Behuda was Chayzer. And he writes, it's not a big deal to be Chayzer. The Nei Behuda was Chayzer other times. And he shows two, three other times where the Nei Behuda was Chayzer. And uh, Rava in, in, in the Gemara says ten times, it was a mistake. And, and the Mashmai of Lashon Tayyus is that someone else corrected him. Not like Haderbe. The Gemara says Haderbe, he was Chayzer. That means a person himself was Chayzer. You know, while he's learning, he was Chayzer. Tayyus means he made a mistake and someone else corrected you and he made a mistake. He says it's not a big deal to make a mistake. Then he made a mistake. This, this, uh, he was Chayzer, he made a mistake. Or maybe he wasn't sent the right fish. Or it was already shriveled up by the time it got to him. You know, many different reasons. But the Maish of was Chayzer. So, so Aaron Kharner, because he was Aaron Kharner, instead of backing down and saying, oh, I see the older Rabbanim in Hungary don't want this, you know, are not comfortable with this psak, Aaron Kharner calls his bluff. And he sends a letter to the Neidbudah's Bezdin in Prague, who has in their hand the first edition of the Neshut Neidbudah. The Neidbudah is dead already, but they have all the letters that comprise the Neidbudah. They have the archives of the Neidbudah's Bezdin. And he sends them a letter and he says, would you please just... Educate me, if you could please, A, send me a copy of the exact language of the Neid Behuda's Tshuva, you know, in its original, unedited format, being Mekel for the Sturgeon. And also, if you don't mind, just send me a copy of the Tshuva where he was Chayzer from it, later on. To which, Reb Shmuel Landau, who is now the Abbezdin, the son of the Neid Behuda, and the Tshuva Me'avah, Reb Leazar Fleckles, who was on the Bezdin, write back that, uh, mm, no. They send him a copy of the letter that was sent to Tamashov, being Mekel. And in regards to the Chazara, they say no. That's a she- to, I'm going to read you Shmuel Landa's words. He's not pleased. Shmuel Landa writes as follows. He says, uh, I'm holding the chuvas, he says. Uh, okay. And now, this is a letter that he's writing to Rebizla Grishaber in Paksh, actually. This is not the letter to Tanakharam, but he writes, V'tamani, she'kasev ma'alasei she'adayni avi meiri v'rabi ha'goinzal hadurbe mehera azais. You wrote that, that you know that my father was chayzer from this. V'tziva ma'alasei, and he was mitzava you, and he gave you the job to forward the letter to the Rav of Tamashov, who he had originally sent the, the hetter to. He says, with all due respect. You know, nothing good comes after that. With all due respect, he says, It's a bold-faced lie. That's, this is what the Nebu the Sun writes. He says, With all due respect, it's a bold-faced lie. Everybody knows what a Yeresh and a Tzadik my father was. For him to write a tshuva was, was lickety-split. He could bang out a tshuva in, in a few minutes. It was nothing. He got shy. When it came to being chayzer from this psak, he, he got shy. He told you to write to him, to tell him the whole thing was lost. says, the Rav of Tamashavar was very close to my father. Actually, we happen to know that the Rav of Tamashavar was Rav Shmuel Landau's tutor as a kid growing up. When Rav Shmuel Landau was, was a boy, the Nebuda had... The Melamed who learned with him was the future Rav of Tamashavar, who was the Shail in the Shaila. says he was very close, they had a good relationship. He could have told him over the many years that he was Chayzer from the Seirah. He wouldn't have uh, allowed you to be his messenger. Now, the problem is that Shmuel Landa didn't just write this to Rebizla Grishaber, he wrote it to Aaron Kharan also. Now, Aaron Kharan is in possession. Now, what happens is Aaron Kharan really called Yitzhak Grishaber's bluff. He's in possession of the original letter of the Nadi Yudah saying that it's mutter. He now knows that L'chaira, and I'll say it respectfully the way the Tzitzliyazah says it, 
that l'chayra, there is no letter being chayzer. L'chayzer says we can't conclusively rule out that, 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 that the Ritzlach, the Ritzlach uh, Grishaber was lying. Can't say for sure that he was lying. Maybe, maybe Rishmolanda didn't know about it. It's possible. But Aaron Kharan is now armed with everything he needs. He knows the Naidvida said this hetter, and he knows the Naidvida did not make the Chazara. So he goes, and instead of backing down, he digs in. So now Ritzlach Grishaber tries again, and he writes to his Rebbeim. He writes to Ramesha Mintz, the Rav of Alt Afen, it's another Hungarian town, and he writes to Reb Yirmi of Matasdorf, who's now the Rav of Santiv. He's referred to as Agoyin Misantiv. And he writes to the Santiver and, and to, and to Ramesh Mintz, and he asks them, please, lean on your talent, tell them to be Chayzer. And we have the letters, because they both were glad, were glad to publish them. Everyone involved in this fight graciously published everything from all the sides. And uh, in it, the first letters are very nice. They're like, listen, you're, you're, you're not saying something wrong, it's okay, but Lamaisa, the, the G'dayli Rabbanim over here, the Maram Mint, the, the Maram Banet, who is much older than you, and, and the Ritzah Grishaber, and, and they, the, they don't want this psak to be in Hungary, they don't agree with this psak. So even if you think you have a psak, just back down, and it's not, you're talking about a man in his high 20s, Aaron Khan was in his high 20s at this time, a young, young man. I'm just back down, you don't have to make your bones on this, like just, you can back down and walk away. Digs in, every letter you see the digging happen more and more. There's 64 letters back and forth in, in Makal Noyam. Imri Noyam has more. There's, there's an endless amount of letters. It involved, I think, close to 40 Rabbanim when all was said and done. Rabbanim of, of like every... Uh, it's a tiny little dot towns, you know, but each one of them had a Rav of Tamukhachim. I wrote down a small list. The Rav of Galant, the Rav of Makiva, the Rav of Tamashava, the Rav of Ara, the Rav of Santiv, Pax, Pupa, Serdahaili. The Chsam Seifer got involved. Maram Banet got involved. Rav Shmuel Landau, the Chuvah Meava, the Shvus Yaakov. An endless amount of, of, of Rabbanim, 40 Rabbanim wrote Chuvis back and forth on, on all sides of this fight. Most of them, at least the Hungarian batch, were encouraging Aaron Kharner to back down, walk away from this psak. Don't dig in on this psak, walk away from this psak. Instead, he puts out Imre Noyam strongly standing to this psak. So then Ritzel Grishaber publishes his rebuttal, Makal Noyam, with all the letters of people being chaylik on him. And then, instead of backing down after that, uh, Aaron Kharner puts out a, a sefer called Syrian Kaskasim, which is doubling down on his doubling down to argue in Ritzel Grishaber and say, no, this is a psak, I didn't make it up, it's the Neidah Behuda. And at the whole time, he does this artfully, I have to give him credit, very artfully, hides behind protecting the covet of the Neidah Behuda. The whole thing is about how, how could you say something bad about the Neidah Behuda, how could you say that it was Chayzer, my Rebbe, Klal Yisrael's Rebbe, the Paisik Hadar, it's all hiding, artfully hiding behind protecting the covet of the Neidah Behuda. And Ritzah Grishaber, who's a Talmud Neidah at no time, Chas Shalom says, that Neidah Behuda is wrong, or he's arguing the Neidah Behuda. He was well aware that he's not a bar plukta with the Neidah Behuda. He just maintains his storyline. Neidah Behuda was chayzer. Neidah Behuda was chayzer in the psak, and, and that's it. Now, incidentally, a lot of the letters that Hungarian Rabbanim wrote about it, they were under the premise that Ritzah Grishaber was telling the absolute truth. They had not seen, you know, the back and forth. He told them the Neidah Behuda was chayzer, he said, I'm willing to make a shvu about it, which is what the Tzitzliezer uses to say that you can't conclusively say he's lying because people don't throw around the term, I'm willing to make a shvuah, you know, easily. That's not something you do with, with great ease. He says, so they were saying on that, on that he was telling them that there was a chazara and they didn't, you know, and, and each one stood on their side. Now, incidentally, the Chsam Seifer did not write a shuva. The Chsam Seifer was about the same age as, as Aaron Kharn. He was a young man. He was 30 years old. He didn't write a shuva about this. But in his drushes, that he gave a speech in Pressburg many years later, and in his Chedusha Mamasech Teschulin, he references this fight, and he says, you know, Vigam Daiti is Kedasa Oistrim, and he tells the people in Pressburg in the speech, he says, 
and it's a leichem to listen to me because you're my mispalim. So I don't care what you heard on the street. This one says this. I'm telling you what I hold. You have to listen to me. And many years later, in the in the later fights with Aaron Charner that we've addressed earlier on, when the Chassam Sefer writes about Aaron Charner, he writes, and those who knew knew he was bad from the get go. He says because he fought with all the Gedele Rabbanim when it came to, to the to the to the sturgeon fish and the tick fish. So Chassam Sefer was like Neiter Kina. He remembered. That back in the day, even though Chosef was young, he wasn't really involved in that fight so much. He remembers he was not taking at this fight. Now, so I just want to say one, one nakud over here. The problem is that Api Pashtus, the Nebuchadnezzar did say that he could be makele about the, stir, the sterling fish. When all the dust settles, when all the chuvas have done flying back and forth, and all the name calling is done, and, and Gerech that Aaron Haruna was a bad guy and should have backed down, and he didn't shtaltzu to the G'day Rabban of Hungary. But Lamais, the Nebuchadnezzar was makele about this. And the, the Shlos Yaakov, and the Shari Lameshiv, and the Beis Hillel, and, and many, you know, you know uh, first-rate G'day Le'apaiskim, were talking Mekel about this. And I, even so, the narrative became that this is a kula that somehow, like, this is not a kula that was meant to be either the way the Marambanet, who was, you know, an older Rav, who was a contemporary of the Nebuchadnezzar, it's like, it's a mistake, it's an atzasa yetzer. Meaning they fooled him, they sent him the wrong fish, they did the wrong atzasa yetzer. It can't, can't be a real psak. Meaning the Rambanet was aware that it's Yitachan that the Nebuchadnezzar did make this psak, and the Chazar is not real, but he says atzasa yetzer, can't be. Or others who say that, that it was the wrong fish, or it was too dried out, the conditions were wrong, or etc. Meaning everyone has to give an excuse to justify how they're being matche, what's l'chayra, mafurash, the tshuva, and the that's, that in the next bunch of pages, the son and his Talmidim defend it to the hilt. You know, they stick, they stand by this tshuva all the way. So I just wanted to, to say a, an interesting thought. I think it's a, it's a true thing. We know this from Yaakov Avinu already by Ani Bacharcha, Ani Esav Bacharcha, right? We know about lying. We know lying is not so black and white. Meaning, what I'll say is like this. Like, Aaron was telling the truth as, as narrowly defined. There's a psak from the Neidudah that says X, and he thinks it could be applied to this case, and there was no Chazar from the Nebuchadnezzar. The narrowly defined, he was telling the truth. But in the overall scheme of things, what he was doing is he was using a one-off psaq from the Nebuchadnezzar that was, you know, a real eyebrow-raising psaq that needed to be figured out exactly the context and the circumstance and etc. and was using it to drive the narrative of reformation, reform and conservative and undoing rabbinic, you know, Yiddishkeit, which was his life's goal as we, we came to know over the tkuf of his life. He was using it to drive that narrative. So, while the words that were coming out of his mouth were the truth, he was using it to drive a false narrative. It was not a narrative the Nehdi was on board for. He was using it to drive a different narrative. As opposed to, let's say, Ritzel Grishaber, who in the n- most narrow definition of truth, wasn't telling the truth, you know, in, in, the exactly, in, all its, in all its ways. He was bending the truth, but he was telling the truth. The narrative that he was pushing about sticking to the Messiah and sticking to the Psaq of the Gedele Rabbanim and backing down when the Gedele Rabbanim tell was the truth. So maybe I'm using the wrong words, you know, for, for truth and falsehood, but there's a lot of examples of this, and, and I'll just, I'll share one of them. The, the Magan Avram in Simukuf Nun Vav in Archaim, when he brings down the Isra to lie, he brings the Gemara Msachim. The Gemara Msachim of Kofi Bey says, Rabbi Kiva tells Rabbi Shimon Yichai, Reitzelichonik, if you want to hang yourself, he tell be ilan gadol, hang yourself from a big tree, which according to some Rishayim means as follows. If you want to say a psak that you know is not going to be niskabel, because you're you're, you know, you're just not going to hear it from you. But if you say that I once heard B'Shem Reb Moshe that uh, X, Y, and Z is Aser or Mutter, they'll listen to you. So I to the Chanek, you want to hang yourself on a psak on someone else? He be'il and gadol. Hang yourself on a big tree. 
which is just good advice. Meaning you want to lie and say like, this fact that I made up really is things. So just say it's Reb Moshe, say it's Reb Yashiv. Don't, don't say, you know, I was once schmoozing with a Rav and he told me like, say it's a big Pisic and then people are going to trust you. That's the Eitzah. Now, the problem is, that's great advice for lying, but you're lying. Rabbi Akiva is giving Rabbi Shimon Yichai advice and had a lie. He's telling him how to lie. That's what he's telling him. So the Magad Avram brings Stiris. I Shekhar so important. But Lamaisi says, we paskin like this Gemara, the, the, the Magad Avram says. We paskin like this Gemara. And what it means is that a psak that is the truth, meaning a psak that needs to get out there. The psak has to get out there. People have to know this psak. But you don't have the standing to promulgate this psak, to get this psak across. He talibil and gadol. Just say someone else bigger than you said it and let the psak get out. A psak that you know is the truth, it has to get out. So you could lie. And what the Magan Avram and what the Gemara essentially is telling you is that's not a lie. Advancing the proper goals, getting to the right outcome, Kilu, the ends justify the means, so to speak. And no one, none other than the Chsim Seifer himself, in a tshuva, in Chelik Vav, someone writes to the Chsim Seifer that his reputation is in tatters and people are ganging up on him, they're saying he made the wrong psak and they're saying the wrong thing. First, the Chsim Seifer gives him chizik about being a rabbi. The Chsim Seifer says, listen, if people don't like you, you're in the wrong business. Of course, it's not just Amaratzim are going to like you, it's the Tamidicham are going to hate you even more. Because they're going to have all sorts of learned critique on you and etc. Don't worry. He says, V'yisim Nikim just means try your best. It doesn't mean you could actually, you know, perfectly get, get everything clean. He says, V'oyit, says Lachim Seifer. Even if sometimes you have to trim a corner to get the outcome you need, he says, Ayin Magan Avram and the Gemara M'sachim, who says this, he says, and if you're able, he says, this is not, it's a rare Seifer, if you're able to find the Metpacha Seiferim from the Yaivetz, Ayin Mashakasav Hanavizal. He calls the Yaivetz a Navi. Look what the Navizal wrote, where the Yaivetz also writes that, that uh, many things that are accepted as basic fact are really just Reitzli Talim Bilangadal. They're things that, that someone hung on someone else to make the psak stick and that's it. So uh, essentially what's going on over here is, where, is the truth is a lie and the lie is a truth. Which makes life a little complicated. I'll just say Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky in Alatayra by the story of Yaakov. Rabbi Yaakov has like a, such a simple muscle. He says, imagine you're standing outside and you see a murderer chasing his potential victim, you know, gun in hand. He rounds the corner, he tucks himself behind your garbage can, and a second later, the, the murderer runs, runs around the corner, he says, is he behind the garbage can? He says, what's the, what you, what's the truth now? In this moment, what's midvash is from you what? You're supposed to say, yeah, you know, right there. Behind the green one, a little to the left, because it's exactly the truth. We say, no, I haven't seen him, I think he went that way. He says, it's Pasha to everyone, everyone understands. You're supposed to say, he went that way, right? Now, I, it's not the truth. He says, sometimes the truth is not the truth and sometimes a lie is not a lie. Now, this is something that the, the Rabbi Rucham says it, the Maral says it, the, the Chazanish and the Munubitachan says it. Each one says it in their own words and possibly my words are still inartful. Uh, maybe I'm not, maybe lie and truth are not the right words. You have to figure out what the exact way to say it. But this is a classic case where truth didn't mean one thing. Truth meant different things to different people in this context. The Maisa the psak of, of uh, the Marambanet, and not like the Night of Buddha, is the psak that's stuck, and today nobody eats the sterlet fish anymore. But this is a, a fascinating case study in truth in halacha. Why would grasshopper not be in not the grasshopper not be in Yeah. What, 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 the, 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 the